Lucy Ricardo, you saucy minx. Today we're talking the handcuffs. Hello, my beautiful Tropicanas. Welcome back to the Ricardo Project, the podcast where we watch through I Love Lucy episode by episode and talk about its historical, emotional, and comedic impact. My name is Dana, and I am so glad that you've joined me today for season two, episode four, The Handcuffs, which premiered 70 years ago today on October 6th, 1952. So here's what happens in The Handcuffs. We open with my beloved Fred Mertz doing magic tricks for the gang. They are less than impressed. Apparently, he's been going for an hour. I would personally love this. I love magic. I love Fred. I don't see what these people's problem is. This is heaven. He's doing like his big showman voice. It's really cute to me. The Ricardos and Ethel clearly want him to stop, but he's going to do one last trick with handcuffs. Um, He asks, you know, for a volunteer from the audience. Lucy plays that role. And she immediately figures out the trick. He asks her to show that they're, you know, locked to his hands and they can't come off. And she kind of wiggles them and they just fall right off of his hands. So with that, uh, an ego fully bruised, (laughs) the Mertzes leave, which Ricky is glad about because he has to work pretty hard on this TV show that he has the next day. And the dress rehearsal is that night. And Lucy's pretty upset about this because she wanted to have a date night since it's Ricky's only night off from the club. I don't blame her for that. A little bit later, he has fallen asleep. He's taking a nap, I guess, before dress rehearsal. And Lucy sneaks in, ostensibly with Fred's trick, handcuffs, and um, handcuffs them together. Ricky wakes up. They have a good laugh about how, you know, that'll teach him to leave to leave her on his night off. It's super cute. Lucy, you know, confesses that she took Fred's trick handcuffs with Ethel's help. And when she tries to take them off, she can't. And at that exact moment, Fred barges in. Because uh, it turns out that he had taken the trick handcuffs down to the barber shop to show off his magical tricks. And the ones that Lucy and Ethel took are from the Civil War era. They were a, a gift he received like 30 years prior uh, from like a club as a thank you for performing there. <laughs> so right as Ricky is about to completely lose it. And look, I know last week I was like very upset about Ricky Uh, threatening Lucy's life or this idea that Ricky would threaten Lucy's life. This one I actually get because who just like takes a pair of handcuffs and doesn't at least check to make sure they're the fake ones. Like to be fair to Lucy, who has multiple pairs of handcuffs, I guess that's like the next question you should ask. But this is, I understand why Ricky is upset is the point. So Fred suggests calling a locksmith. And we get this really cute bit where, you know, because they each only have one functional hand, like, Ricky has to find the number in the yellow pages while Lucy has to dial the phone. And no one will come over that night. (laughs) Because I, 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 it's pretty late. According to the clock, it's like almost nine o'clock. No one's coming over that night. So Ricky's going to miss rehearsal. And they try to go to bed. And we get this, like, super fun bit of physical bit of trying to get changed for bed, where they, they have to take each other's shoes off, and they have to end up climbing into bed from the bottom fully dressed because they can't get in on their respective sides. They can't take off their shirts. Lucy announces that she can't sleep on her back, so she wants to trade sides with Ricky so she can sleep on her stomach, but that doesn't work. She announces she'd like to sleep in her own bed on her stomach, and she tries all this like back bending stuff. It really looked like um, a physical theater group exercise that you do in acting class in college. (laughs) 
Um, she tries all this like backbending stuff to try and flip the handcuffs so that she can sleep on her own bed in her stomach. It's like the original game of Twister. Finally, Ricky just puts her in bed on her stomach with her head where her feet should be. So they're facing the wrong direction and they go to sleep. So the next morning, the locksmith arrives with Ethel and he recognizes the Ricardo name. He wants Ricky's autograph. He won't stop monologuing. He knows he has a key that will fit the handcuffs, but he realizes after a little bit that he doesn't have it with him and he has to go home to Yonkers to get it. He says it should take him about two hours, which is actually pretty geographically correct. I live a little bit north of Yonkers. This locksmith character is like super fun. He's monologuing. He has no sense of urgency. I'm actually super into him. And spoiler alert for the historical notes, we will see this actor again. You know, we do kind of like a fuzzy time has passed um, musical note. And it turns out the locksmith has been gone for five hours. And Ricky is pacing around waiting for him to get back. And again, another super fun physical bit where Ricky is pacing around the couch and Lucy's just kind of leaning as needed so that he can keep pacing without her having to physically move with him. Finally, the locksmith calls and he announces, ironically enough, that he had a little trouble getting the key because he locked himself out of his house, but he has it now. And he agrees to meet Ricky at the television station because he's got to go to his show. We get a a really short uh, insert scene where uh, Ricky's agent is trying to file them out of the handcuffs, but he hasn't even made a dent. It doesn't work. Ricky doesn't want to go on, but the agent kind of forces his hand, and so he does. So we hit the television show, and Ricky comes out of these like beautiful velvet curtains and stands with his handcuffed arm behind his back, and Lucy plays his right hand. It's this great classic TV bit, always plays. We'll talk a little bit more about it in the reaction. He sings a song called Santiago Chile, and What I love about this is that Ricky has to base his performance on whatever Lucy's hand does. So Lucy, ever the ham, is kind of really overacting the song with her right arm, which is the only thing that she has in the performance. And so Ricky has to kind of sidestep and like shimmy as Lucy's arm is implying the rest of his body should be doing. So the locksmith shows up in the middle of the number and Ricky gets his hand back right in time for the final line of the number, which is a very satisfying way to end this. And then Lucy pokes her head out to take a bow with Ricky. And that's the end of the episode. So what did we think? I will be honest, this is an episode that I have really genuinely loved for years. This was on my VHS tapes that I had from um, the Nick at Night taping, the great Nick and Knight taping of 1995. And I was really excited to watch this. I had really strong memories of absolutely loving this episode. And it's, it's, it's not that it's bad. It's just like not as hilariously like sidesteppingly funny as I remember. But I do think that this is a great example of kind of what we were talking about last week. So last week I talked a lot about how I felt like the episode had a really slow build up for like two minutes of payoff. And we talked about how we might rewrite the episode in order to make it work a little better. And this week, I find myself thinking they did a really good job. They 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 had multiple moments, like points of entry with these handcuffs. So we have the setup. We know that there's handcuffs involved. It's Chekhov's handcuffs. And then we have Lucy using the wrong ones. And then we have the scene where they have to figure out how to operate within the handcuffs because we know that they're going to be stuck in them for a little while. Then we think they're going to 
get some relief and they don't. So they have to pivot again. And so there's, there's these kind of like, um, (laughs) why is the best thing that's coming to my head? Splash Mountain. So, you know, (laughs) you know, in Splash Mountain, when you're at Disneyland, how like there's a few different little log flume roller coaster moments before the giant drop. That's kind of what this is. We get we get a few little exciting roller coaster moments before the final song where we get the really great, delightful com- comedy bit of the, you know, Lucy playing one of Ricky's arms. And this is a bit, this this playing the arms thing has been used so many times. My biggest memory of it is that it was a, a, a sketch in Whose Line Is It Anyway? It was one of the, in the original... Um, Ryan Stiles and Colin Mocker used to do this a lot. I, I feel like Colin usually played Ryan's arms. Maybe it's the other way around, but I think that's usually how it went. Anyway, not to get too in the weeds of that, but this this kind of the performer has arms that he can't control and therefore has to act as if he knows what his arms are going to do is a very common comedic uh, plot device now. And I couldn't find in my research if if this originated in this in this episode or if this co- came from somewhere else. I feel like it had to have come from somewhere else. I Love Lucy knows its references and constantly is referring back to vaudeville in particular. So if anybody out there actually knows kind of the origin of this bit, I would love to hear from you. Please let me know. You can message me on Instagram, email me, whatever. I, I would really love to know if you have it. I just couldn't find it. I think maybe my search fields were wrong. I don't know. But this scene, as far as I can tell, this was the first time this bit had been done on television, uh, on a sitcom at the very least. And it's been used a hundred different times since this episode aired. Um, Lucy even repeated it on one of her other sitcoms. It's a really classic bit, and it plays super, super well. And I really liked it. And I, what I like about it so much with this show especially is that it's really in line with the characters that we know. So even though it's kind of ridiculous and it's kind of a one-off bit, the behaviors are authentic to Ricky and Lucy Ricardo. So when Lucy gets unhandcuffed from Ricky and Ricky gets his arm back, Lucy still tries to take a bow because Lucy always wants to be part of the show. And so we can see this continuation of the characters that we have built, which is really great because I feel like sometimes the impulse when we're looking at these kind of classic physical comedy bits in particular is to just do the physical comedy bit and then kind of just do it all out and let the chips fall where they may. What I like about this is that this feels deeply, deeply rooted in authenticity for as ridiculous as it is. I mean, again, this is something completely surreal. They certainly wouldn't have let him go on this way. You know, they, they, it's just, it just wouldn't have happened. And it's like, it's like the bread in Pioneer Women, right? Where we're looking at something that's just so aggressively surreal and out of line with reality. And that's what makes it so delightful because we get to experience something that's at a level 10 when a level five would suffice and when a level three is what reality would be. So I think this episode plays super, super well. I just really remember it being a lot more side splitting and it's not, and that's okay. I I think it's something that 
is kind of a, an unexpected side effect of the show is rewatching episodes that really shaped my comedic styling. Like I personally think something that's kind of an unexpected side effect of this show is, is watching these episodes that really shaped my own comedic sensibilities and realizing that they're only okay or that they, that the show did better. And, you know, it's no, it's no saxophone. It's no moment where Lucy breaks into the band and, you know, plays, plays that character. It's no, um, it's, it's, it's a lovely episode of the show, but I think we have better ones coming down the pike. And that's like, a, that's just a really interesting experience for me to kind of, um, kill your darlings a little bit and kind of look at what is, you know, look at the actual material and not just at my memories of the material. So this one's definitely worth a watch, but it's not, in my opinion, the most spectacular iconic episode that I thought it was, which would make me sad if I didn't know for sure that there were so many amazing episodes that I'm thrilled to watch. Like we're so, we have so much more of the show to go. So it's not like it's a bad thing that this episode is only okay. It's better than last week's episode, though. Like, I want to be clear. If I was ranking the episodes of this season so far, let's see. Like, if I was ranking the episodes of the season so far, it would go job switching, the saxophone, this episode, the handcuffs, and then the anniversary present. And none of these are bad episodes of television by any stretch of the imagination. Like, even the anniversary present is a better sitcom episode than most sitcom episodes. It's just like when, you're, when your season premiere is job switching, that's kind of tough to come back from. And that actually makes me wonder if maybe they shouldn't have opened with something else. Yes, you want your premiere to be strong, but you also want kind of a natural build. And maybe job switching should have been later. Maybe the saxophone should have opened and then it could be these two episodes and then job switching, or maybe the saxophone, the anniversary present job switching, then the handcuffs, something a little more balanced because when you start so strong, it's almost impossible to think that this episode or the last episode are these amazing, you know, moments in television. I personally love next week's episode as well, but it's a similar thing to the handcuffs. What if it's not any, not as good as I thought it was? We don't know. But just structurally, I mean, job switching is so superior to all of these that I actually think it's kind of unfair to judge them. So definitely worth watching 100%. Is it in my top 10 of episodes? Probably not anymore, actually. And actually, my first bonus episode, which is week after next, is going to be like the top five episodes of I Love Lucy season one that you should watch if you've never watched it before to like intro to new people if you're interested in that. So I'll probably do one of those for every season as we wrap them up. But that's what's coming up. Anyway, now it's time for some now it's time for some historical notes. That was a short and sweet reaction. Again, when these episodes are kind of just like fine. It's it's hard to have too much to say. <laughs> but we had a couple of great guest stars that are super interesting. So uh, first of all, the man who played the locksmith is named Will Wright. And he's very well known for playing old men. He's got kind of one of those recognizable old man character actor faces, but he was only 52 in this episode. And he does not look it, in my opinion. 
But he was a super interesting guy. He was a newspaper reporter who then became a vaudevillian actor, and then he became a character actor. And he will later appear as the sheriff in the episode Tennessee Bound, which will feature Tennessee Ernie Ford on their way out to Hollywood, I believe is when they are in Tennessee. But he is a super interesting man, and I would be fascinated to learn more about him. But but I but his career trajectory is so interesting. Like newspaper to vaudevillian to character actor, only fifty two at the time of this recording, and looks seventy two. And honestly, that seems to have worked for him. The second the second um, guest star I want to talk about is the actress who played the MC for Ricky's television show. Her name was Viola Van, and she was the wife of Frank Nelson, who we've talked about on the show before. And he'll later play Ralph Ramsey when they move to Connecticut in six years or however long it takes us to get there. Finally, this isn't really a goof or anything, but it kind of feels like a goof and I love those. If you freeze frame during the scene where they're trying to figure out how to get into bed and how to undress, you can see that Lucy and Desi both have bandages wrapped around their wrists so that they don't get kind of bruised and banged up by the handcuffs, which makes a lot of sense, honestly, just from a logistical standpoint, like not even from a holistic or health standpoint. They had too many episodes to film to be covering up bruises. And I like little moments like that where you peek behind the curtain. It's one of the reasons why Lucy thinks Ricky is trying to murder her is so fun because you can see that they're really trying to shoot the show like a play instead of like a sitcom. So that's it for the handcuffs. Nice and nice and short and sweet. So next week we'll be watching the operetta, which is one of my faves, if I recall correctly. And here's the log line for that. Lucy writes an operetta for her women's club and pays for the costumes and scenery with a post-dated check. Meanwhile, Ethel and the rest of the cast strategize on how to compensate for Lucy's <clears throat> brash singing voice. And that about wraps up this week. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. It means so much to me. If you'd like to get in touch for any reason whatsoever, you can reach me on Instagram at the Ricardo Project, on Twitter at Ricardo underscore project, and by email at the Ricardo Project at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, share it with a friend. That is the best way to help the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can leave me a one-time tip on PayPal via the link in the show notes. Have a wonderful weekend. We will be back next Thursday with the operetta. 